Part eight of A Christmas Miscellany twenty nineteen by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part eight Holiday Tales Christmas in the Adirondacks How John Norton the Trapper kept his Christmas by William Henry Harrison Murray Section one one a cabin a cabin in the woods in the cabin a great fireplace piled high with logs fiercely ablaze on either side of the broad hearthstone a hound sat on his haunches looking gravely as only a hound in a meditative mood can into the glowing fire in the centre of the cabin whose every nook and corner was bright with the ruddy firelight stood a wooden table strongly built and solid at the table sat john norton poring over a book a book large of size with wooden covers bound in leather brown with age and smooth as with the handling of many generations the whitened head of the old man was bowed over the broad page on which one hand rested with the forefinger marking the sentence a cabin in the woods filled with firelight a table a book an old man studying the book this was the scene on christmas eve outside the earth was white with snow and in the blue sky above the snow was the white moon it says here said the trapper speaking to himself it says here give to him that lacketh and from him that hath not withhold not thine hand it be a good saying for sartin and the world would be a good deal better off as i can see if the folks follered the sayin a leetle more closely and here the old man paused a moment and with his hand still resting on the page and his forefinger still pointing at the sentence seemed pondering what he had been reading at last he broke the silence again saying yes the world would be a good deal better off if the folks in it followed the sayin and then he added there's another spot in the book i'd order look at to-night it's a good way further on but i guess i can find it henry says the further on you get in the book the better it grows and i conceit the boy may be right for there be a good deal of murderin and fightin in the fore part of the book that don't make pleasant readin and what the lord wanted to put it in fur is a good deal more than a man without book larnin can understand murderin be murderin whether it be in the bible or out of the bible and putting it in the bible and saying it was done by the lord's commandment don't make it any better and a good deal of the fighting they did in the old time was certainly without reason and again judgment especially where they killed the women folks and the little ones and while the old man had thus been communicating with himself touching the character of the old testament he had been turning the leaves until he had reached the opening chapters of the new and had come to the description of the saviour's birth and the angelic announcement of it on the earth here he paused and began to read he read as an old man unaccustomed to letters must read slowly and with a show of labour but with perfect contentment as to his progress and a brightening face this isn't a trail a man can hurry on unless he spends a good deal of his time on it or is careless about noting the signs for the words be weighty and a man must stop at each word and look around a while in order to get all the meaning out of them yes a man order travel this trail a leetle slow if he wants to see all there is to see on it then the old man began to read 
then there were with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host the exact number isn't set down here he muttered but i can see there may have been three or four hundred praisin god and singin glory to god in the highest and on arth peace to men of good will that's right said the trapper yes peace to men of good will that be the sort that desarve peace the other kind orter stand their chances and here the old man closed the book closed it slowly and with the care we take of a treasured thing closed it fastened the clasps and carried it to the great chest whence he had taken it putting it away in its place having done this he returned to his seat and moving the chair in front of the fire he looked first at one hound and then at the other and said pups this be christmas eve and i certainly trust you'd be grateful for the comfort you have he said this deliberately as if addressing human companions the two hounds turned their heads toward their master looked placidly into his face and wagged their tails yes yes i understand ye said the trapper ye both be comfortable and i dare say the otter your way ye both be grateful for next to eatin a dog loves the heat and ye be nigh enough to the logs to be toastin yes this be christmas eve continued the old man and in the settlements the folks be gettin ready their gifts the young people be tyin up the evergreens and the leetle ones be honable to sleep because of their dreamin it's a pleasant picter and i certainly wish i could see the merry-makin's as henry has told me of em some time but i wish it may be in his own house and with his own children with this pleasant remark in respect to the one he loves so well the old man lapsed into silence but the peaceful contentment of his face as the firelight revealed it showed plainly that though his lips moved not his mind was still active with pleasant thoughts of the one whose name he had mentioned and whom he so fondly loved at last a more sober look came to his countenance a look of regret of self-reproach the look of a man who remembers something he should not have forgotten and he said i ax the lord to pardon me that in the midst of my plenty i have forgot them that may be in want the shanty sartinly looked open enough the last time i fetched the trail past the clearin and though with the help of the moss and the clay in the bank she might make it comfortable yet if the vagabond that be her husband has forgot his own and deserted them as wild bill said he had i doubt if there be victuals enough in the shanty to keep em from starvin yes pups said the old man rising it'll be a good tramp through the snow but we'll go in the morning and see if the woman be in want the boy himself said when he stopped at the shanty last summer afore he went out that he didn't see how they was to get through the winter and i reckon he left the woman some money by the way she followed him toward the boat and he told her to bear them in mind when the snow came and see to it they didn't suffer i might as well get the pack-basket out and begin to put the things in it for it be a goodly distance and an arly start will make the day pleasant to the woman and the leetle ones if victuals be scant in the cupboard yes i'll get the pack-basket out and look round a leetle and see what i can find to take em i don't conceit it'll make much of a show for what might be good for a man won't be of service to a woman and as for the leetle ones i don't know if i got a single thing but victuals that'll fit em lord if i was near the settlements i might swap a dozen skins for just what i wanted to give em but i'll get the basket out and look round and see what i've got 
in a moment the great pack basket had been placed in the middle of the floor and the trapper was busy overhauling his stores to see what he could find that would make a fitting christmas gift for those he was to visit on the morrow a canister of tea was first deposited on the table and after he had smelled of it and placed a few grains of it on his tongue like a connoisseur he proceeded to pour more than half of his contents into a little bark box and having carefully tied the cover he placed it in the basket the yarb be o the best said the old man putting his nose to the mouth of the canister and taking a long sniff before he inserted the stopple the yarb be o the best for the smell of it goes into the nose strong as mustard that be good for the woman for sartin and will cheer her spirits when she be down farted for a woman takes as naturally to tea as an otter to a slide and i warrant it'll be amazing comfort to her arter the day's work be over more especially if the work had been heavy and gone sort o crosswise yes the yarb be good for a woman when things go crosswise and the box'll be a great help to her many and many a night beyond doubt the lord certainly had women in mind when he made the yarb and a kindly feelin for their infirmities and i dare say they be grateful according to their knowledge a large cake of maple sugar followed the tea into the basket and a small chest of honey accompanied it that's honest sweetenin remarked the trapper with decided emphasis and that is more'n you can say of the sugar of the settlements leastwise if a man can judge by the stuff they peddle at the clarin the bees be no cheats and a man who taps his own trees and biles the runnin into sugar under his own eye knows what kind of sweetenin he's gettin the woman won't find any sand in her teeth when she takes a bite from that loaf or stirs a leetle of the honey in the cup she be steepin some salt and pepper were next added to the packages already in the basket a sack of flour and another of indian meal followed a generous round of pork and a bag of jerked venison that would balance a twenty-pound weight at least went into the pack on these several large-sized salmon trout that had been smoked by the trapper's best skill were laid these offerings evidently exhausted the old man's resources for after looking round a while and searching the cupboard from bottom to top he returned to the basket and contemplated it with satisfaction indeed yet with a face slightly shaded with disappointment the victuals be all right he said for there be enough to last em a month and they needn't scrimp themselves either but eatin isn't all and the leetle ones was nigh on to naked the last time i seed em and the woman's dress in spite of the patchin looked as if it would desart her if she didn't keep a close eye on it lord lord what shall i do for there's room enough in the basket and the woman and the leetle ones need garments that is it's more'n likely they do and i haven't a garment in the cabin to take em hello hello john norton john norton hello the voice came sharp and clear cutting keenly through the frosty air and the cabin walls john norton wild bill exclaimed the trapper i certainly hope the vagabond hasn't been a-drinkin his voice sounds as if he's sober but the chances be again the signs for if he isn't drunk the marcy of the lord or the scarcity of liquor has kept him from it i'll go to the door and see what he wants it's certainly too cold to let a man stand in the holler long whether he be sober or drunk with which remark the trapper stepped to the door and flung it open 
what is it wild bill what is it he called be you drunk or be you sober that you stand there shoutin in the cold with a log cabin within a dozen rods of you sober john norton sober sober as a moravian preacher at a funeral your trappin must have been mighty poor then wild bill for the last month or the dutchman at the clearin has watered his liquor by a wrong measure for once but if you be sober why do you stand there whoopin like an indian when the ambushment is uncovered and the bushes be alive with the knaves why don't you come into the cabin like a sensible man if you be sober the signs be agin you wild bill yes the signs be agin you come into the cabin retorted bill and though i would mighty lively if i could but the load is heavy and your path is as slippery as the plank over the creek at the dutchman's when i've had two horns aboard load what load have you been dragging through the woods exclaimed the trapper you talk as if my cabin was the dutchman's and you was balancing on the plank at this minute come and see for yourself answered wild bill and give me a lift once in your cabin and in front of your fire i'll answer all the questions you may ask but i'll answer no more until i'm inside the door yeah be certainly sober to-night answered the trapper laughing as he started down the hill for you talk sense and that's more'n a man can do when he talks through the nozzle of a bottle lord a massy exclaimed the old man as he stood over the sled and saw the huge box that was on it lord a massy bill what a tug you must have had and how you come to be sober with such a load behind you is beyond the reckoning of a man who has knowed you nigh on to twenty year i never knowed you disappointin' one arter this fashion afore it is strange i confess answered wild bill appreciating the humour that lurked in the honesty of the old man's utterance it is strange that's a fact for it's christmas eve and i ought to be roarin drunk at the dutchman's this very minute according to custom but i pledged him to get the box through just as he wanted it done and that i wouldn't touch a drop of liquor until i'd done it and here it is according to promise for here i am sober and here is the box hist along bill hist along exclaimed the trapper who suddenly became alive with interest for he surmised whence the box had come hist along bill i say i've done with your talkin and let's see what you have got on your sled it's strange that a man o your sense will stand gibberin here in the snow with a roarin fire within a dozen rods o ye whatever retort wild bill may have contemplated it was effectually prevented by the energy with which the trapper pushed the sled after him indeed it was all he could do to keep it off his heels so earnestly did the old man propel it from behind and so with many a slip and scramble on the part of wild bill and a continued muttering on the part of the trapper about the nonsense of a man's gibberin in the snow arter a twenty-mile drag with a good fire within a dozen rods of him the sled was shot through the doorway into the cabin and stood fully revealed in the bright blaze of the firelight take off your coat and your moccasins wild bill exclaimed the trapper as he closed the door get in front of the fire pull out the coals and set the teapot a-steepin the arb will take the chill out of you better than the pison of the dutchman you'll find a haunch of venison in the cupboard that i roasted to-day and some donny cake i doubt if either be cold help yourself help yourself bill while i take a peep at the box no one can appreciate the intensity of the old man's feelings in reference to the mysterious box unless he calls to mind the strictness with which he was wont to interpret and fulfil the duties of hospitality 
to him the coming of a guest was a welcome event and the service which the latter might require of the host both a sacred and a pleasant obligation to serve a guest with his own hand which he did with a natural courtesy peculiar to himself was his delight nor did it matter with him what the quality of the guest might be the wandering trapper or the vagabond indian was served with as sincere attention as the richest visitor from the city but now his feelings were so stirred by the sight of the box thus strangely brought to him and by his surmise touching who the sender might be that wild bill was left to help himself without the old man's attendance it was evident that bill was equal to the occasion and was not aware of the slightest neglect at least his actions were not by the neglect of the trapper rendered less decided or the quality of his appetite affected for the examination he made of the old man's cupboard and the familiarity with which he handled the contents made it evident that he was not in the least abashed or uncertain how to proceed for he attacked the provisions with the energy of a man who had fasted long and who has at last not only come suddenly to an ample supply of food but also feels that for a few moments at least he will be unobserved the trapper turned toward the box and approached it for a deliberate examination the boards be sawed he said and they come from the mills of the settlement for the smooth and plain has been over em then he inspected the jointing and noted how truly the edges were drawn the box has come a goodly distance he said to himself for there isn't a workman this side of the horicon that could joint it in that fashion there certainly ought to be some lettering or a leetle bit of writing somewhere about the chest telling who the box belonged to and to whom it was sent saying this the old man unlashed the box from the sled and rolled it over so that the side might come uppermost as no direction appeared on the smoothly planed surface he rolled it half over again a little white card neatly tacked to the board was now revealed the trapper stooped and on the card read john norton to the care of wild bill yes the j be hisn muttered the old man as he spelled out the word j o h n and the big n be as plain as an otter tail in the snow the boy don't make his letters over plain as i conceit but the j and the n be hisn and then he paused for a full minute his head bowed over the box the boy don't forget he murmured and wiped his eyes with the back of his hand the boy don't forget and then he added no he isn't one of the forgettin' kind wild bill said the trapper as he turned toward that personage whose attack on the venison haunch was as determined as ever wild bill this box be from henry i shouldn't wonder answered that individual speaking from a mass of edibles that filled his mouth and it be a christmas gift continued the old man it looks so returned bill as laconically as before and it be a mighty heavy box said the trapper you'd a thought so if you'd a dragged it over the mile and a half carry it was good sledding on the river but the carry took the stuff out of me very like very like responded the trapper for the gullies be deep on the carry and it must have been slippery haulin didn't you get a leetle arnest in your feelin bill before you got to the top of the last ridge old man answered bill as he wheeled his chair toward the trapper with a pint cup of tea in the one hand and wiping his moustache with the coat-sleeve of the other 
i got it to the top three times or within a dozen feet from the top and each time it got away from me and went to the bottom again for the roots was slippery and i couldn't get a grip on the toe of my moccasins but i held on to the rope and i got to the bottom neck and neck with the sled every time you did well you did well responded the trapper laughing for a loaded sled goes downhill mighty fast when the slide is a steepin and a man who gets to the bottom as quick as the sled must have a good grip and be considerably in earnest but you got her up finally by the same path didn't you oh yes i got her up returned bill the fourth time i went for that ridge i fetched her to the top for i was madder'n a hornet and what did you do bill continued the trapper what did you do when you got to the top i just tied that sled to a sapling so it wouldn't get away again and i got on the top of that box and i talked to that gulch a minute or two in a way that satisfied my feelings i shouldn't wonder continued the trapper laughing for you must have been a good deal riled but you did well to get the box through and you got it here in time and you've earned your wages and now if you'll tell me how much i am to pay you you shall have your money and you needn't scrimp yourself on the price wild bill for the drag has been a hard un so tell me your price and i'll count you out the money old man answered bill i didn't bring that box through for money and i won't take a perhaps wild bill was about to emphasize his refusal by some verbal addition to the simple statement but if it was his intention he checked himself and said a cent it's well said answered the trapper yes it's well said and does justice to your feelings i don't doubt but an extra pair of breeches one of these days wouldn't hurt ye, and the money won't come amiss i tell you old man returned wild bill earnestly i won't take a cent i'll allow the several colors in my trousers for i've patched in a dozen different pieces off and on and i doubt as you hint if the patchin' holds together much longer but i've eaten at your table and slept in your cabin more than once john norton and whether i've come to it sober or drunk your door was never shut in my face and i don't forget either that the man who sent you that box fished me from the creek one day and when i had walked into it with two bottles of the dutchman's whiskey in my pocket and not one cent of your money or his will i take for bringing the box into you have it your own way if you will said the trapper but i won't forget the deed you have did and the boy won't forget it neither come let's clear away the victuals and we'll open the box it's certainly a big one and i would like to see what he's put inside of it the opening of the box was a spectacle such as gladdens the heart to see at such moments the countenance of the trapper was as facile in the changefulness of its expression as that of a child the passing feelings of his soul found an adequate mirror in his face as the white clouds of a summer day find full reflection in the depth of a tranquil lake he was not too old or too learned to be wise for the wisdom of hearty happiness was his the wisdom of being glad and gladly showing it as for wild bill the best of his nature was in the ascendant and with the curiosity and pleasure of a child and a happiness as sincere as if the box were his own he assisted at the opening the man who made this box did the work in a workmanlike fashion said the trapper as he strove to insert the edge of his hatchet into the joining of the cover for he shet these boards together like the teeth of a bear trap when the bars be well aisled 
it's a pity the boy didn't send him along with a box wild bill for it certainly looks as if we should have to kindle a fire on it and burn a hole in it through the kiver at last by dint of great exertion and with the assistance of wild bill and the poker the cover of the box was wrenched off and the contents were partially revealed glory to god wild bill exclaimed the trapper here be your riches and he held up a pair of pantaloons made of the stoutest scotch stuff yes here be your riches for here on the waistband be pinned a bit of paper and on it be written for wild bill and here be a vest to match and here be a jacket and here be two pairs of socks in the pocket of the jacket and here be two woolen shirts one packed away in each sleeve and here shouted the old man as he turned up the lapel of the coat why bill look here here be a five-dollar note and the old man swung one of the socks over his head and shouted hooray for wild bill and the two hounds catching the enthusiasm of their master lifted their muzzles into the air and bayed deep and long till the cabin fairly shook with the joyful uproar of man and dogs it is doubtful if any gift ever took the recipient more by surprise than this bestowed upon wild bill it is true that judged by the law of strict deserts the poor fellow had not deserved much of the world and certainly the world had not forgotten to be strictly just in his case for it had not given him much it is a question if he had ever received a gift before in all his life certainly not one of any considerable value his reception of this generous and thoughtful provision for his wants was characteristic both of his training and his nature the old trapper as he ended his cheering flung the pantaloons the vest the jacket the socks the shirts and the money into his lap for a moment the poor fellow sat looking at the warm and costly garments that he held in his hands silent in an astonishment too profound for speech and then recovering the use of his organs he gasped forth i swear and then broke down and sobbed like a child the trapper kneeling beside the box looked at the poor fellow with a face radiant with happiness while his mouth was stretched with laughter utterly unconscious that tears were brimming his own eyes old trapper said wild bill rising to his feet and holding the garments forth in his hands this is the first present i ever received in my life i have been kicked and cussed sneered at and taunted and i deserved it all but no man ever gave me a lift or showed he cared a cent whether i starved or froze lived or died you know john norton what a fool i've been and what has ruined me and that when sober i'm more of a man than many who hoot me and here i swear old man that while a button is on this jacket or two threads of these breeches hold together i'll never touch a drop of liquor sick or well living or dying so help me god and there's my hand on it amen exclaimed the trapper as he sprang to his feet and clasped in his own strong palm the hand that the other had stretched out to him the lord in his mercy be nigh when you be tempted bill and keep you true to your pledge 
of all the pleasant sights that the angels of god looking from their high homes saw on earth that christmas eve perhaps not one was dearer in their eyes than the spectacle here described the two sturdy men standing with their hands clasped in solemn pledge of the reformation of the one and the helping sympathy of the other above that christmas box in the cabin in the woods it is not necessary to follow in detail the trapper's further examination of the box the reader's imagination assisted by many a happy reminiscence will enable him to realize the scene there was a small keg of powder a large plug of lead a little chest of tea a bag of sugar and also one of coffee there were nails matches thread buttons a woolen under jacket a pair of mittens and a cap of choicest fur made of an otter's skin that henry himself had trapped a year before all these and other packages were taken out one by one carefully examined and characteristically commented on by the trapper and passed to wild bill who in turn inspected and commented on them and then laid them carefully on the table beneath these packages was a thin board constituting a sort of division between its upper and lower half there seems to be a sort of cellar to this box said the trapper as he sat looking at the division i shouldn't be surprised if the boy himself was in here somewhere though be ready bill for anything for the lord only knows what's underneath this board saying which the old man thrust his hand under one end of the division and pulled out a bundle loosely tied with a string which became unfastened as the trapper lifted the roll from its place in the box and as he shook it open and held its contents at arm's length up to the light the startled eyes of wild bill and the earnest gaze of the trapper beheld a woman's dress heaven and arth bill exclaimed the trapper what's this and then a flash of light crossed his face in the illumination of which the look of wonder vanished and dropping upon his knees he flung the dividing board out of the box and his companion and himself saw at a glance what was underneath children's shoes and dresses of warmest stuffs tippets and mittens a full suit for a little boy boots and all a jackknife and whistle two dolls dressed in brave finery with flaxen hair and blue eyes a little hatchet a huge ball of yarn and a hundred and one things needed in the household and underneath all a bible and under that a silver star on a blue field and pinned to the silk a scrap of paper on which was written hang this over the picture of the lad ay ay said the trapper in a tremulous voice as he looked at the silver star it shall be done as you say boy but the lad has got beyond the clouds and is walking a trail that is lighted from end to end by a light clearer and brighter than ever come from the shining of any star i hope we may be found worthy to walk it with him boy when we too have come to the edge of the great clearing to the trapper it was perfectly evident for whom the contents of the box were intended but the sender had left nothing in doubt for when the old man had lifted from the floor the board that he had flung out he discovered some writing traced with heavy pencilling on the wood and which without much effort he spelled out to wild bill give these on christmas day to the woman at the dismal hut and a merry christmas to you all 
ay ay said the trapper it shall be did bar an accident as you say and a merry christmas it'll make for us all lord a massy what will the poor woman say when she and her leetle ones get these warm garments on there'll be no trouble about filling the basket now no i certainly can't get half of the stuff in wow bill i guess you'll have to do some more sledding to-morrow for these presents must go over the mountain in the morning if we have to harness up the pups and then he told his companion of the poor woman and the children and his intended visit to them on the morrow i fear he said that they be having a hard time of it especially if her husband has deserted her little good he would do her if he was with her answered wild bill for he's a lazy knave when he is sober and a thief as well as you and i know john norton for he's fingered our traps more than once and swapped the skins for liquor at the dutchman's but he's thieved once too many times for the folks in the settlement as catched him in the act and they put him in the jail for six months as i heard day before yesterday i'm glad on it yes i'm glad on it answered the trapper and i hope they'll keep him there till they've learnt him how to work i've had my eye on the knave for a good while and the last time i seed him i told him if he fingered any more of my traps i'd larn him the commandments in a way he wouldn't forget and as i had him in hand and felt a leetle lot talking that morning i gin him a piece of my mind and tetchin his treatment of his wife and leetle ones that he didn't relish i fancy for he winced and squirmed like a fox in a trap yes i'm glad that they've got the knave and i hope they'll keep him till he's answered for his misdoing but i'm certainly afeard the poor woman be having a hard time of it i fear so too answered wild bill and if i can do anything to help you in your plans just say the word and i'm your man to back or haul just as you want me and so it was arranged that they should go over the mountain together on the morrow and take the provisions and the gifts that were in the box to the poor woman and after talking a while of the happiness their visit would give the two men happy in their thoughts and with their hearts full of that peace which passeth the understanding of the selfish laid themselves down to sleep and over the two the one drawing to the close of an honourable and well-spent life the other standing at the middle of a hitherto useless existence but facing the future with a noble resolution over the two as they slept the angels of christmas kept their watch two on the other side of the mountain stood the dismal hut and the stars of that blessed eve had shone down upon the lonely clearing in which it stood and the smooth white surface of the frozen and snow-covered lake which lay in front of it as brightly as they had shone on the cabin of the trapper but no friendly step had made its trail in the surrounding snow and no blessed gift had been brought to its solitary door as the evening wore on the great clearing round about it remained drearily void of sound or motion and filled only with the white stillness of the frosty snow-lighted night once indeed a wolf stole from underneath the dark balsams into the white silence and running up a huge log that lay aslant a ledge of rocks looked across and round the great opening in the woods stood a moment then gave a shivering sort of a yelp and scuttled back under the shadow of the forest as if its darkness was warmer than the frozen stillness of the open space 
an owl perched somewhere amid the pine tops snug and warm within the cover of its arctic plumage engaged from time to time in solemn gossip with some neighbor that lived on the opposite shore of the lake and once a raven roosting on the dry bough of a lightning-blasted pine dreamed that the white moonlight was the light of dawn and began to stir his sable wings and croak a harsh welcome but awakened by his blunder and ashamed of his mistake he broke off in the very midst of his discordant call and again settled gloomily down amid his black plumes to his interrupted repose making by his sudden silence the surrounding silence more silent than before it seemed as if the very angels who we are taught fly abroad over all the earth that blessed night carrying gifts to every household had forgotten the cabin in the woods and had left it to the cold hospitality of unsympathetic nature within the lonely hut which thus seemed forgotten of heaven itself sat a woman huddling her young two girls and a boy the fireplace was of monstrous proportions and the chimney yawned upward so widely that one looking up the sooty passage might see the stars shining overhead a little fire burned feebly in the huge stone recess scant warmth might such a fire yield kindled in such a fireplace to those around it indeed the little flame seemed conscious of its own inability and burned with a wavering and mistrustful flicker as if it were discouraged in view of the task set before it and had more than half concluded to go out altogether the cabin was of large size and undivided into apartments the little fire was only able to illuminate the central section and more than half of the room was hidden in utter darkness the woman's face which the faint flame over which she was crouched revealed with painful clearness showed pale and haggard the induration of exposure and the tightening lines of hunger sharpened and marred a countenance which a happier fortune would have kept even comely it had that old look about it which comes from wretchedness rather than age and the weariness of its expression was pitiful to see was it work or vain waiting for happier fortunes that made her look so tired alas the weariness of waiting for what we long for and long for purely but which never comes is it the work or the longing the long longing that has put the silver in your head friend and scarred the smooth bloom of your cheeks my lady with those ugly lines mother i'm hungry said the little boy looking up into the woman's face can't i have just a little more to eat be still answered the woman sharply speaking in the tones of vexed inability i've given you almost the last morsel in the house the boy said nothing more but nestled up more closely to his mother's knee and stuck one little stockingless foot out until the cold toes were half hidden in the ashes oh warmth blessed warmth how pleasant art thou to old and young alike thou art the emblem of life as thy absence is the evidence and sign of life's cold opposite 
would that all the cold toes in the world could get to my grate to-night and all the shivering ones be gathered to this fireside ay and that the children of poverty that lack for bread might get their hungry hands into that well-filled cupboard there too in a moment the woman said you children had better go to bed you'll be warmer in the rags than in this miserable fireplace the words were harshly spoken as if the very presence of the children cold and hungry as they were was a vexation to her and they moved off in obedience to her command o oh, cursed poverty i know thee to be of satan for i myself have eaten at thy scant table and slept in thy cold bed and never yet have i seen thee bring one smile to human lips or dry one tear as it fell from a human eye but i have seen thee sharpen the tongue for biting speech and harden the tender heart ay i've seen thee make even the presence of love a burden and cause the mother to wish that the puny babe nursing her scant breast had never been born and so the children went to their unsightly bed and silence reigned in the hut mother said one of the girls speaking out of the darkness mother isn't it christmas eve yes answered the woman sharply go to sleep and again there was silence happy is childhood that amid whatever deprivation and misery it can so weary itself in the day that when night comes on it can lose in the forgetfulness of slumber its sorrows and wants thus while the children lost the sense of their unhappy surroundings including the keen pangs of hunger for a time and under the tattered blankets that covered them saw perhaps visions of enchanting lands and in their dreams feasted at those wonderful tables which hungry children see only in sleep to the poor woman sitting at the failing fire there came no surcease of sorrow and no vision through even an evanescent brightness over the hard cold facts of her surroundings and the reality of her condition was dire enough god knows alone in the wilderness miles from any human habitation the trails covered deep with snow her provisions exhausted actual suffering already upon them and starvation staring them squarely in the face no wonder that her soul sank within her no wonder that her thoughts turned towards bitterness yes it's christmas eve she muttered and the rich will keep it gaily god sends them presents enough but you see if he remembers me oh they may talk about the angels of christmas eve flying abroad to-night loaded with gifts but they'll fly mighty high above this shanty i reckon now they don't even drop a piece of meat as they soar past and so she sat muttering and moaning over her woes and they were heavy enough too heavy for her poor soul unassisted to lift while the flame on the hearth grew thinner and thinner until it had no more warmth in it than the shadow of a ghost and like its resemblance was about to flit and fade away at last she said in a softened tone as if the remembrance of the christmas legend had softened her surly thoughts and sweetened the bitter mood ah, perhaps i'm wrong to take on so perhaps it isn't god's fault that i and my children are deserted and starving but why should the innocent be punished for the guilty and why should the wicked have enough and to spare while those who do no evil go half naked and starved 
alas poor woman that puzzle has puzzled many besides thee and many lips besides thine have asked that question querulously or entreatingly many a time but whether they ask it in vexation and rebellion of spirit or humbly besought heaven to answer to neither murmur nor prayer did heaven vouchsafe a response is it because we are so small or being small or so inquisitive that the great oracle of the blue remains so dumb when we cry at this point the poor little flame as if unable to abide the cold much longer flared fitfully and uneasily shifted itself from brand to brand threatening with many a flicker to go out but the woman with her elbows on her knees and her face settled firmly between her hands still sat with eyes that saw not the feeble flame at which they so steadily gazed i will do it i will do it she suddenly exclaimed i will make one more effort they shall not starve while i have enough strength to try perhaps god will aid me they say he always does at the last pinch and he certainly sees that i am there now i wonder if he's been waiting for me to get just where i am before he helped me there is one more chance left and i'll make the trial i'll go down to the shore where i saw the big tracks in the snow it's a long way but i shall get there somehow if god is going to be good to me he won't let me freeze or faint on the way yes i'll creep into bed now and try to get a little sleep for i must be strong in the morning and with these words the poor woman crept off to her bed and burrowed down more like an animal than a human being beside her little ones as they lay huddled close together and asleep down in the rags what angel was it that followed her to her miserable couch and stirred kindly feelings in her bosom some sweet one surely for she shortly lifted herself to a sitting posture and gently drawing down the old blanket with which the children for warmth's sake had wrapped their heads looked as only a mother might at the three little faces lying side by side and bending tenderly over them she placed a gentle kiss upon the forehead of each then she nestled down again in her own place and said perhaps god will help me and with this sentence half a prayer and half a doubt born on the one hand from that sweet faith which never quite deserts a woman's bosom and on the other from that bitter experience which had made her seem in her own eyes deserted of god she fell asleep she too dreamed but her dreaming was only the prolongation of her waking thoughts for long after her eyes closed she moved uneasily on her hard couch and muttered perhaps god will but perhaps sad is it for us who are old enough to have tasted the bitterness of that cup which life sooner or later presents to all lips and have borne the burden of its toil and fretting that our vexations and disappointments pursue us even in our slumber disturbing our sleep with reproachful visions and the sound of voices whose upbraiding robs us of our otherwise peaceful repose perhaps somewhere in the years to come after much wandering and weariness guided of god we may come to that fountain of which the ancients dreamed and for which the noblest among them sought so long and died seeking plunging into which we shall find our lost youth 
in its cool depths and rising refreshed and strengthened shall go on our eternal journey reclothed with the beauty the innocence and the happiness of our youth the poor woman slept uneasily and with much muttering to herself but the rapid hours slid noiselessly down the icy grooves of night and soon the cold morning put its white face against the frozen windows of the east and peered shiveringly forth who says the earth cannot look as cold and forbidding as the human countenance the sky hung over the frozen world like a dome of grey steel whose invisibly matched plates were riveted here and there by a few white gleaming stars the surface of the snow sparkled with crystals that flashed colourlessly cold the air seemed armed and full of sharp eager points that pricked the skin painfully the great tree trunks cracked their sharp protests against the frosty entrances being made beneath their bark the lake from under the smothering ice roared in dismay and pain and sent the thunders of its wrath at its imprisonment around the resounding shores a bitter morn a bitter morn ah me a bitter morn for the poor the woman wakened by the grey light moved in the depths of the tattered blankets sat upright rubbed her eyes with her hands looked about her as if to recall her scattered senses and then as thought returned crept stealthily out of the hole in which she had lain that she might not wake the children who coiled together slumbered on still closely clasped in the arms of blessed unconsciousness they better sleep she said to herself if i fail to bring a meat i hope they will never wake ah if the poor woman could only have foreseen the bitter disappointment or that other something which the future was to bring her would she have made that prayer is it best for us as some say that we cannot see what is coming but must weep on till the last tear is shed uncheered by the sweet fortune so nigh or laugh unchecked until the happy tones are mingled with and smothered by the rising moan is it best i wonder she noiselessly gathered together what additions she could make to her garments and then taking down the rifle from its hangings opened the door and stepped forth into the outer cold there was a look of brave determination in her eyes as she faced the chilly greeting the world gave her and with more of hopefulness than had before appeared upon her countenance she struck bravely off along the lake shore which at this point receded toward the mountain for an hour she kept steadily on with her eyes constantly on the alert for the least sign of the wished and prayed for game suddenly she stopped and crouched down in the snow peering straight ahead well might she seek concealment for there standing on a point of land that jutted sharply out into the lake not forty yards away unscreened and plain to view stood a buck of such goodly proportions as one even in years of hunting might not see the woman's eyes fairly gleamed as she saw the noble animal standing thus in full sight but who may tell the agony of fear and hope that filled her bosom 
the buck stood lordly erect facing the east as if he would do homage to or receive homage from the rising sun whose yellow beams fell full upon his uplifted front the thought of her mind the fear of her heart were plain the buck would soon move when he moved which way would he move would he go from or come toward her would she get him or would she lose him oh the agony of that thought god of the starving burst from her quivering lips let not my children die many prayers more ornate rose that day to him whose ears are open to all cries but of all that prayed on that christmas morn whether with few words or many surely no heart rose with the seeking words more earnestly than that of the poor woman kneeling as she prayed rifle in hand amid the snow god of the starving let not my children die that was her prayer and as if in answer to her agonizing petition the buck turned and began to advance directly toward her browsing as he came once he stopped looked around and snuffed the air suspiciously had he scented her presence and would he bound away should she fire now no her judgment told her she could not trust the gun or her aim at such a range he must come nigher come even to the big maple and stand there not ten rods away then she felt sure she could get him so she waited oh how the cold ate into her how her teeth chattered as the chills ran their torturing courses through her thin shivering frame but still she clutched the cold barrel and still she watched and waited and still she prayed god of the starving let not my children die alas poor woman my own body shivers as i think of thine and my pen falters to write what misery befell thee on that wretched morn did the buck turn did he having come so tantalizingly near retrace his steps no he continued to advance had heaven heard her prayer her soul answered it had and with such feelings in it toward him to whom she had appealed as she had not felt in all her life before she steadied herself for the shot for even as she prayed the deer came on came to the big maple and lifted his muzzle to its highest reach to seize with his tongue a thin streamer of moss that lay against the smooth bark there he stood his blue-brown side full toward her unconscious of her presence noiselessly she cocked the piece noiselessly she raised it to her face and with every nerve drawn to its tightest tension sighted the noble game and fired had the frosty air watered her eye was it a tear of joy and gratitude that dimmed the clearness of its sight or were the half-frozen fingers unable to steady the cold barrel at the instant of its explosion we know not we only know that in spite of prayer in spite of noblest effort she missed the game for as the rifle cracked the buck gave a snort of fear and with swift bounds flew up the mountain while the poor woman dropping the gun with a groan fell fainting on the snow end of part eight section one